Curb Your Enthusiasm, Season 9, Episode 2. The Pickle Gambit is over, but we're just getting started here on the Curb Your Enthusiasm Post Show Recap, a podcast about something. And now, here are the two guys who spend more time on Skype than the Iranian consulate. I'm Rob Sister here with Akiva Winokur. Keith, how are you? How's it going? Yeah, when we Skype also, the second we lift up our computer, we're already Skyping. Yeah. <laughs> It's not like 10 minutes of, okay, can you hear me? Consulate, consulate, are you there? Consulate, do you hear me now? You lift open your computer and both parties are already ready to talk. Boom. Here we go. Episode number two of Kirby Enthusiasm, season nine, Keev. What's your thoughts on this so far? Um, Well, you know, I think this was, we were, you know, we had a lot of questions at the end of episode one. Are we going to spend a lot of time with the lesbian married couple? Or soon to be married couple. Yes. You know, are are you know, we thought like, hey, are they setting up a Cheryl and Ted Danson thing? How much yes. time are we gonna spend with the Fatwa? Mm-hmm. Right? Are right. we you know, it, like is Leon gonna be Larry's assistant? Right. And so like some of them came true and some of them did it. Yes. So uh, we, we can go through all of that here today on our Curb Enthusiasm Post Show Recap. Of course, if you are just listening to this for the first time, you want to subscribe for the season of podcasting. And why not? It's early. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash curb. We appreciate your feedback and star ratings here at the start of the season. And we are off to a flying start here with the new podcast feed. Keeve. Are we? Uh, yeah, I think so. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I'll take your word for we'll it. Go, I will we'll- not research that at all <laughs> we'll go with that we were look we're like um uh you know mingling around in the uh top 200 podcast oh we are that's great who knew yeah so, i never checked the charts yeah I'm not so, usually in them hanging around it uh, in, in the tv and film category i mean let's not get too carried away oh we're not oh, okay we're not we're not, not like not to uh, a top 200 overall i mean no, there's like there's like series. 50 million podcasts i know listen when we invented podcasts three <laughs> years ago in, in june 2014 when yes. we started the seinfeld show it was just us and like mark matter and adam carolla yeah now this has become very popular yeah so we're uh, we're right in there uh postshowrecaps.com slash curb okay uh keeve uh let's uh dive into this episode so larry was trying to get out of uh this situation that he's in uh, the uh fatwa against him uh we had the return of funkhauser as well larry is bringing in security uh ted danson and cheryl are getting together so again a lot of stuff going on and larry hates using tongs for cookies Yes. There, you know, we also wondered last week was a 37 minute episode and we were curious if this would go back to the more standard 30 minutes. And this Not was yet. it wasn't 37, but I think this was 34. And it was like a jam packed episode. There is a lot going on. Yeah, a lot of stuff uh, going on. And so uh, is there anything you want to set up at the top of the show before we start getting into what happened in the episode? I mean, no, it's pretty straightforward. I think any curb news this week. There's not really any curb news. Oh, I'll give a tease. How about this? Maybe you know the answer, but if you don't, it's a fun trivia question. Someone in this episode, as we go along, one of the actors has won an Academy Award in the last decade. You have to find that actor. Oh, I know who it is. Uh, Oh, you do? Yeah, it's uh, the Dean from Community. Yeah, that's correct. He won won an Academy Award for... Um, I want to say, was it uh, a Clooney movie? Was it up in the air? Yeah, he wrote. Was it The Descendants? Maybe the maybe Hawaii that, movie. Yeah, maybe it was a different. Yeah. He he Jim wrote. Rath. Yeah, I remember just from being a Community fan that he. Okay, I thought that would be a fun trivia question because you'd be very confused if you didn't know that. Yeah, because that's like sort of a minor role. You'd think like who you know. 
Right. But yeah, Jim Rash won a, a writing. I think it's the, I, he wrote that and he wrote The Way, Way Back, which is actually a pretty good movie. I don't you've never seen that, right? Uh, no, but I it's think like that, a kid goes away for the summer and and like has an adventure type of movie. But it's good. Yeah. I mean, it just goes to show you that people are falling over themselves for even small roles on Curb Your Enthusiasm in season nine. No, for sure. It's uh, like I, I, I like to go to some of these actors like Twitter pages and they're all like super psyched. Like I'm playing a whore on Curb Your Enthusiasm tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see a lot of that. <laughs> OK, I think it was actually to be fair, it, the guy it was the, the, the actress's husband said my wife is playing a whore on Curb Your Enthusiasm tonight. She was very excited. about that. OK. All right. So uh, we open up this week's episode with Larry in a hotel room. And of course, he is hiding, trying to write a letter to the Ayatollah. There's takeout boxes everywhere. Uh, Leon and Jeff come through to see what Larry is up to. Uh, This was a very light Jeff episode. No Susie in this episode. I think Jeff is just in this one scene, right? Yeah, I think they they, the only reason that he comes instead of just Leon is so he's in the episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you're right. This is the only this is the only sight of uh, of of Jeff or, or Susie in this episode. Right. And so Larry doesn't know what to do. And they're trying to bring some sun in there to try to make uh, Larry just be normal and part of society again. Larry is thinking that maybe he should sell the house. Yeah. I mean, we're already in a different house, right? This is not the house that because because Cheryl got custody of the house, right? This is a new house. I'm not sure about the canon of the curb real estate. I think this is a different house. Yeah. I feel like all the houses they're in look the same. They kind of do look the same. That's why I'm sort of unclear. But I, 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 I had to guess. I'm pretty sure I'm right. OK. And so uh, Leon is like, no, you can't sell the house. Uh, I mean, Larry is like sort of of two minds where he is like terrified sometimes. And then, uh, you know, he doesn't seem that concerned other times. Right. It, like he knows he should be nervous. But you're right. He's not on edge all day. Right, right. Only sometimes. I guess it's more at nighttime. I feel like he's not that scared during the day. I mean, that works for most of us, right? Like kids are like that, too. No. Yeah. Kids are like that. All right. Uh, Larry's disguise, though. I don't think that we had called this last week that Larry's disguise was going to be a major part of the season. It's growing on me. I like Larry's disguise. I do like it, too. They, you know, certainly makeup or wardrobe or whoever did a really good job with this. I do think that like it seems like it's a major part of why they wanted to do it like what if we just had larry in disguise for a whole season mm-hmm. yeah and then he can sort of like do things like sneak up on ted danson and cheryl and so he can maybe like move around and get into the situations that he otherwise wouldn't be able to so let's see uh, where the costume ends up taking us and larry ends up talking with a woman who is a prostitute we talked about last week how larry doesn't have any sort of reservations talking to somebody about a delicate subject and so he ends up just in an open discussion with the prostitute about her wardrobe keeve yeah uh, i i like that a lot of times because you're expecting the prostitute here to sort of be creeped out by larry mm-hmm. right or tell him to shut up right and and she's like here for it she's happy to have this conversation with him right And so Larry does not like the prostitute uniform. Is that the right term? Yes, definitely the right term. Yeah. Prostitute uniform. So Larry doesn't like it and says, look, you need to change this up. I mean, why don't you go out there and wear a nice evening gown from Saks Fifth Avenue? Trust me, you get one of these dresses and months from now, you're going to have a closet full of dresses. Now, Keeve. That just, you know, speaking, you know, um, just full disclosure. Okay, 
I have never solicited the services of a prostitute. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if that's a shock to people, but I just want to be upfront to talk about this. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think people th- people think you're too cheap to do that anyway. Yes, is that right? Yeah. No. Uh, so again, but to me, that the prostitute uniform is sort of a little bit of signaling of, hey, I'm a prostitute. Because then you are able to sort of not have any like could I mean could you imagine the embarrassment you're talking to a woman at a bar or a guy for for, for that matter you know that there are uh, prostitutes of both gender and then you're talking to them and then you are under the impression that they're a prostitute and then you, they're like oh wait you weren't a prostitute I mean could you imagine the embarrassment right but I think nowadays there, that meeting a woman on the street or a guy which used to be like the only way probably to do it now it's it, you probably a lot of these uh arrangements are set up online and so what they're wearing when they meet you is it's not designated to like let you know that, that you're a prostitute because you're meeting them and you know so you think that the prostitution business has gone through some sort of like high-tech renovation where the tinderification of prostitution has happened i mean i think that these might yeah. be illicit oh, for sure. like you think elliot think... spitzer found found some lady on the street so it's no, like a craigslist be... thing okay so you, yeah but it's but, craigslist you know uh web they each have they have websites now like for sure okay. so, and, and then and then you just say meet me at the hotel is that what goes on and so it's not like that I mean, you again, are i don't i know as little as you do but that that is certainly my impression that you still have people working the streets yeah. And, you know, sure, you are like Amsterdam, the red light district, and you, ha- you still have that sort of same thing. Right. But I, I do think it's been, uh, you know, digitized. So the prostitute just isn't like setting up shop at the hotel bar. I mean, there might be there might be one also. I don't know. But that I, I, I think that, you know, the, probably the really high end ones are not soliciting on their own. They're having somebody uh, do the setups for them. That's my guess. OK. Yeah, I, I just don't I feel like that business might be better to wear the more, you know, revealing just for them for the sake of, you know, you're letting people know just like, hey, I'm not, uh, you know, a businesswoman here for a meeting. I'm actually a prostitute. So come and talk to me. Right. I mean, I'm on Team LD, though. I think like I, I just don't I, you're, I'm not like I think we're almost conditioned to sort of not be attracted to the outfit. It's almost like, yeah, that's just your like work attire and. You know, you you sort of, you know, you look like that. And and then it's like women have to try not to look like that if they're not a prostitute. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a whole it's a whole thing. Yeah, I do get the sense. uh, I think that from a business perspective, if everything you're saying is right, that she is meeting predetermined clients. Yeah, I do think that that is that, uh, you know, she's uh, coming off like more of a high end prostitute dressing nicer. I also think, you know, Jimmy Kimmel used to have this line, which is like if you go to a strip club, then it's also something I haven't done. Like he would want, he wants to see someone like dress, you know, dress up like uh, an accountant and like work their way down from there. He doesn't want to see someone who's come like, he doesn't think he is. His point was like, it doesn't make sense for someone to like start out 85%, you know, undressed to begin with. Does it have to be an accountant? Is the idea that they're just no. like wearing like more <laughs> <I> clothes. Was, <laughs> like, so like he wants to see a woman come to the stage with like seven layers on. No, I don't think it's a layers thing. It's, it's an every man type or every woman type of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I want you to look like someone who could be easily be in the crowd. It, you know, it, it could be an accountant. It could be a doctor. It could be a teacher, a nurse. Like the, the idea is like, you should start off dressed normally and then work your way down. And that's probably more, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know. I agree. Like to me, that's that's more attractive for sure. So Larry refers to her outfit as a hooker smock. 
which I don't know. I feel like that smock is probably not a word I would use because smock is something that you would put over your clothes to avoid getting messy. And a hooker smock feels like that that should be something different. Right. They they might even, you know, they could probably use a smock sometimes. <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> you know, like when you go to a Gallagher concert and you uh, like they give you like a tarp to put over you. Uh, yeah, they, you don't get hit by the watermelon. Yeah, that would right? be, be good. <laughs> okay. So Larry has given uh, this woman. Does the prostitute have a name? Yeah, Paula. Paula. Uh, he gives uh, he gives her this advice. They leave and nothing comes of it for a while. We'll see her back in the episode later on. So Larry is leaving the hotel. He's checking out and uh, we find out that Larry's pen name here, his uh, alias is Buck Dancer. What do you think of that? I, I like the name Buck Dancer. Uh, uh, Craig Van- from Vancouver writes in and says, is Buck Dancer a reference to his joke from the Seinfeld episode, The Outing? Where George's porno name would be Buck Naked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think so. But I no, mean, probably not. <laughs> but he, it's possible that LD just likes the word Buck, like he likes it as a name. Right. Okay. So uh, Larry uh, is asked for some advice or some recommendations from the hotel manager Jim Rash, who famously uh, is the Oscar-winning dean from Community. Uh, Larry says, "Don't tuck in the sheets." Now. From Seinfeld, did George like the sheets tucked in or he didn't like the sheets tucked in? Uh, George was anti-tuck. Anti-tuck. He wanted no tuck uh, from the (laughs) hotel maid in the room. So I guess uh, him and Larry are one and the same in that regard. So there are cookies that are out uh, that uh, we see Jim Rash tell Larry that feel free to help himself to the cookies. And so Jim Rash gets very offended when Larry is not using the tongs to select the cookie. Keeve, are you pro-tong or anti-tong when it comes to cookies? No, there's no such thing as proton when it comes to cookie, right? Right. So would it bother you at all? I mean, that uh, you are not concerned about the germs of other people reaching for a cookie? No, not concerned. I mean, I feel like if if they're so concerned, then have someone serve them. Okay. Let me make a compromise, okay? Mm-hmm. Forget yeah. the tongs. What do you think about the napkins or like those little like wax paper squares that you pull out like from a bakery yeah no i I, i'm fine with wax paper squares Mm -hmm. that's good or napkin yeah that's good but ultimately you're you went any any sort of like salad bar or any sort of food that's being served in you know to the public like where anyone can touch it you have to assume that even if they have tongs or wax paper like it, every piece has been touched. You have to start off with that assumption. See, that's why when I do the salad bar, I always reach for the stuff that's furthest away from like the Even if it's front. like something you don't like though? Well, why would I get something that I don't like at the salad bar? No, but I'm saying like you you well, I think the move is you go to the bot you you sort of scoop from the bottom. Scoop from the bottom. No, that all the germs sink to the bottom. Oh, the germs sink to the bottom, so you I want the stuff so. on the top that people sneeze at? No, there's a sneeze guard on a salad bar. Well, some of them have a sneeze guard. Some of them don't. Well, I don't know where you're eating, Keeve. <laughs> I mean, I'm not eating salad. <laughs> some of these fair. kosher places need to get up to code. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, it's been a while since I've had salad. I don't know. <laughs> kosher, yes. Germ-free. I don't know. Watch out for that. 
<laughs> so we didn't see any of the cookies crumble from the tongs. I, I feel like that that would have been an effective demonstration for Larry. I think, the, I think when he picks it up and sort of shakes it, the cookie should have crumbled. I yes, agree. yes. I think we should have seen a uh, cookie break. What do you think about the idea? Were these Pepperidge Farm cookies? The episode never uh, gave us the answer to that. Larry suspected it. We never found out. Larry was certain. He didn't suspect it. He he said they are Pepperidge Farm cookies. Yes. Yeah. So what did you think? Well, I think as a viewer, we have to trust Larry if he's sure. Yeah, I think they're Pepperidge Farm cookies because they would have said like, no, I'll I'll introduce you to the chef. Like, trust me, the you know, the baker guy, he, he, he made these himself. Now, the big cookies, though, were not Pepperidge Farm cookies. No, I don't think all of them, but the ones he pointed to certainly were. Yes. So where did they come from? Right. I guess why would the baker guy make half the cookies, but then buy the other half? I'm not sure why this like works. Yeah. Okay. But Larry gets really into it with the uh, hotel manager about the uh, the tongs and uh, really calls them out about uh, being store bought cookies, even though uh, we see the hotel manager say that the pastry chef made these cookies. Yeah. I, li- I like when Larry's like a thousand percent certain of something. <laughs> yeah. Um, we see Larry back at home and uh, he is talking with Leon about the uh, situ- the security uh, situation. Leon is eating a beef stick. Uh, Keith, have you ever had one of these? I, w- is this just like a thinner jerky? I don't understand what the beef stick is. exactly. Okay. So I am actually a pretty big jerky guy. I buy a mm. lot of it. I like the like the jerky. That's a good snack for me, the jerky. But there's a difference between the jerky and then the sort of like Slim Jim, which Leon has. It's a little bit the difference between sort of like whatever whatever is in pepperoni and then actual pepperoni. Like it's like a processed version of the beef jerky. Yeah, I've never. I mean, I've had this jerky, but I, I don't know. Like, I'm gonna have to try the stick next yeah. time I see it in the store. Okay. And Leon reads off to Larry the ingredients. Larry says it's actually really bad for you. I'm not sure about that. I have to take a look at what's actually in it. But Leon is reading off the ingredients: uh, beef, molasses, brown sugar. Leon says that he prefers brown sugar to white sugar. And guess what, Keeve? Yeah. I prefer brown sugar, too. Really? Yep. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I don't have a strong opinion on brown sugar, but I feel like we're so accustomed to white sugar. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, just you, look, uh, that I, I don't want to be, uh, you know, stereotyped that I, that, uh, that I prefer uh, white sugar here. I am a big fan of brown sugar. I love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to need to do more brown sugar research. I'm, I'm mostly a white sugar guy. Honestly. You ever take a spoonful of brown sugar and put it in your coffee? Delicious. No, never yeah. done it. It's great. Great oatmeal. You can put that on anything. And you know what else? I think it's less calories too. brown sugar. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's healthier. Yeah, Leon says he doesn't like anything that's white. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why Larry goes to. What about pants? I mean, does anybody prefer white <laughs> pants to brown pants? Right. Like, right. Like khaki <laughs> pants or. Yeah. Like I. Yeah, you probably could have said a bunch of other things. Right. I don't know why that that was where Larry went to first. All right. So here comes Funkhauser with uh, his nephew, Kenny. We talked about Richard Lewis the other day. Um, Mm -hmm. How do you feel about Funkhauser? Oh, so I watched the episode this morning, not last night when it was on. And we got a bunch of messages last night. People yelling about Funkhauser having, having had Botox. Yes. Second most Botoxed person in this episode. 
Wow. I don't know who number one is. I'm going to have to guess. <laughs> we'll get to it. Yeah. I, so people were yelling and I'm not, you know, I'm, this is not the type of thing I notice, as you would know by now. Um, but what, so what, like, but his eyes seem closed. That, that's what, that was my note on Funkhauser. Yeah. I'm not a big, uh, Funkhauser fan on the show. I mean, uh, he's funny sometimes. I think I'd take him over Richard Lewis, but, uh, I've, I've never been a huge fan of him on this show. Wow. I mean, that is a hot take. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people uh, you know, he's Fred. been involved in some of the most classic episodes in the series. Yeah. You know, I just feel like that uh, to me, uh, I could take him or leave him. Yeah, well, this episode, I would leave him if we were doing Take It or Leave It. <laughs> okay, so here he is with his nephew, and his nephew is a straight-A student. He's in all these clubs in high school, and on top of that, that he is a ace pitcher for the high school team, there seems to be some doubt as to uh, you know his baseball acumen key. Are you buying this? Uh, no, I think it's just because he's such a dorky-looking kid, so maybe they're overstating his All-American accomplishments. So I it's not like he's not on the team, but yeah, he's probably not going to be in the majors that I buy. Yes. Uh, why? Are, are you saying that you have a problem with uh, the young Clint Frazier, Keeve? I mean, I don't have a problem with this guy, but uh, I think uh, <laughs> again, uh, the, your anti gingite is coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it's, at this point. I, I can't pretend to be pro ginger. Once I threatened to like <laughs> I said I was going to bully our friend's kids because they have like, <laughs> you know, flaming red hair. There's, yeah. there's no turning back from that. What was Leon's issue with the kid that, uh, that he says that you're like Forrest Gump, where he feels like that he's done so many things with his life. Uh, I, I couldn't really follow why Leon was bringing Forrest Gump into this. Well, I guess Forrest Gump is in a lot of different places at, at you know, almost the same time. So this guy's in six different clubs and on the baseball team. Seems too much. Uh, Leon asked him if he's ever seen a boot before also, which is a little bit of a harbinger of what's to come later on this episode. But then <laughs> segue very quickly into, uh, would you, do you want anything? They both would love a sandwich. We get very quickly. Uh, this is not a very organic segue into the sandwich making part of the episode. There's a few non-organic segues in this episode. But yeah, it's like one big scene. Like, you know, when we're in the hotel, it happens a few times also. Yeah. So we are just in the middle of this big sandwich factory. It's almost like that Leon has like a Subway restaurant set out where all of the different like condiments and like the lettuce is like already on a, in a bowl of like that. Just come on into this uh, catered sub shop that we have going on in Larry's kitchen. And we end up with the pickle coming into play and the idea of everybody wants to be the pickle hero keeve do you want to be the pickle hero yeah th i mean this is a real thing right like when we can't open a jar in my house like my wife if i can't open it my wife's you know she'll open it and then i'll i'll be like really emasculated if she can open it, and i can't or mm -hmm. she won't let me open it she'll just like take 20 cracks at it the it, it is a real thing yeah but um you know, the the uh, like, I don't mind that my wife, you know, a lot of times drives when we're in the car or fixes things here when they break. But I do think like opening up the pickle jar is too far for me. Yeah. You know, I'm not above doing the butter knife trick and sort of like trying to like open up the pressure inside of what's going on with like the seal. Like I'll, I'll just jam a butter knife in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, you could. I thought they were going to like break the pickle jar on the floor when they were yeah. doing this. So ultimately, everybody's wrestling for the pickle jar, and uh, we end up seeing uh, nephew Kenny bang his elbow on the table. Now, Keith. I really thought that we were setting up here that we had that he was a baseball player and then he hurt his pitching elbow. And again, that's the Mets fan in me that's like, oh, you know, here's the next Steven Mets. You know, here's the next, you know, he's going for Tommy John. But mm-hmm. actually, not really a big factor. The right. baseball. I guess because they all. can't show that. What are they going to like flash forward two years and he's. Uh Still not pitching. Like, right. I think it's definitely implied that he can't pitch now. But, but. the storyline doesn't become, oh, he's depressed because he can't pitch. The story ends up becoming that he is depressed because he cannot become master of his own domain. Yeah, right. So I, I, I agree. We all thought that's where they were going to go. But I guess it's easier to demonstrate <laughs> like a, a short-term thing than the long-term baseball injury. Okay. And so... Uh, we, we end up also at the end of that scene finding out that there was a half open jar of pickles in the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. I also like when they called each other Big Funk and Little Funk. <laughs> okay. Uh, Larry had a rough night. There was a lot of people coming in and out of the house, and it turns out that that was because Leon was having uh, a lot of uh, different women over. He had women that were waiting with their kids in the car. He had pizza delivery people going on. Larry wants to get a security guard. Leon is going to take care of this. Yeah, Leon is essentially like we thought he'd be his office assistant, but he's just like his full time personal assistant this season. Yeah, I mean, that's a good spot for Leon. Yeah, that just means we're going to see him every episode at this point. Yeah. Okay. so Leon is going to bring in his security force. Uh, We'll see that later on in the episode. Ted Danson shows up and we saw this one coming a mile away that here is Ted Danson and he wants to ask. Larry's blessing so he can go out with Cheryl. Right. Yeah. No, I, I thought, you know, we were being clever last week, but they they got to it straight by episode two. This wasn't like in, he finds out in episode 10 type of thing. They didn't dance around it. We're no, not no. we're not Ted dancing around this. And so That's- he wants to date Cheryl. Larry is upset about this. And so he says, well, how would you like it if I dated your ex-wife, Mary Steenburgen? And Ted Danson basically says that she would not go out with Larry. Yeah, no, he Ted's cool. Right. He wanted to say it's hard to really ascertain exactly how like famous Larry is, but he's certainly wealthy in the show. And it's like, yeah, I'm Ted Danson. I'm a TV star. You're not on TV. Right. Larry's behind the scenes. So right now, ironically, Larry David's avatar, George Costanza, famously wondered about the uh, Ted Danson money. But. In 2017, it's not even close. Uh, Larry David, way more money than Ted Danson. I mean, Ted Danson's probably fabulously wealthy, to be fair. Yes, he's very he's he's fine. And actually, you know, Ted Danson has never been through a divorce or if right. or if he was, it was like the he's got first, the Cheers money. money. He's got the CSI money like Ted Danson is, Becker is money. beyond loaded. Yeah, Becker. Yeah. The, I mean, the Becker money. Forget but about. but, he but he's that. never Everyone knows he put the Becker money aside and, and didn't spend it Leonard right. style. And he's never lost it all in a divorce where Larry has been right. through that. Correct. But in the still, show, been. yes. And in real life. Uh, but, in real. but still, I still think that Larry David, uh, much more wealthy than Ted Danson in real life. However, in the fiction of Curb Enthusiasm, uh, it's probably closer. Uh, yeah, I think that's a fair point. Because Larry in the TV show doesn't have any Curb money. 
Well, I don't think the curb money is even a dent in the uh, in, in Dave. <laughs> not that much, to be honest. Yeah. It's not that much. Okay. Like, what does he get? A million dollars an episode? Mm-hmm. So two that's million. Nothing. Like, I guess that's it's a lot. But his syndication money annually from Seinfeld, I'd expect, I'd suspect, is more. Yeah. So Larry is going to call up Mary Steenburgen and ask her if she wants to go on a date with him. And to me, I think that she ends up surpassing Funkhauser uh, in the little bit that we get to see Mary Steenburgen. Yeah, it's edited a little strangely because we do see Steenburgen, but it's sort of like a weird back and forth. But yeah, it's funny. Yeah. And so uh, she would not go out with Larry that uh, that he is not her body type. Right. Physically, not my type. <laughs> yes. Which ends up, you know, I, you know, it's sort of like a joke at Larry's expense uh, the first time through. But I think ends up being uh, a joke even meaner at Larry's expense when we see her later on the episode dating a guy who looks exactly like Larry. Right. Well, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, Larry is also uh, a little hard on sort of like talking down Cheryl to Ted Danson about what she will or won't do in the bedroom. And I feel like that Ted Danson is taking this as a challenge. Yeah. Now, do you think he's just trying to uh, put down Cheryl to sort of like say hey, you're not interested in her? Or 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 do you, do you think these things are true? I don't think that Larry is lying about anything. No, I don't think so either. But maybe there was like a certain line that Cheryl was not willing to cross with Larry David. And then maybe there's a Ted Danson line. Yeah. And at the end of the day, she divorced Larry like she didn't like him. So I think sometimes when a woman doesn't like a guy that, you know, they're <laughs> they what I close hear. down. Yeah. <laughs> They, I've heard my friends have told me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, this was not something that we expected to see. Uh, Larry goes over to the chicken restaurant. Now, this was uh, two seasons ago. Yeah. Two seasons ago. Uh, generally considered the best episode of the series. But it's really out of nowhere that we're just going back. You know, it would really be if like in season nine. You know, uh, Jerry needs, uh, you know, help in Argentina and he just goes over to the soup Nazis house. Right. So there we go. And so we are uh, back at the uh, what did they call this place in just I want to have the canon right. Yeah, so it's the Palestinian chicken place, but the official name of the restaurant is Alabas Chicken. Okay, so we're back at Alabas Chicken, uh, the Palestinian chicken place, and we are reunited with the woman. That, could you reset the plot of that episode? Larry's dating that woman. Yeah, they they sleep together in that in that episode. Her name, uh, as we were reminded in this episode, was Shara Gorbani. Yes. And so uh, that Larry needs uh, some help from her. She ends up getting in the car and they're talking about uh, what she can do. She likes the disguise. She thinks that that's a good look for Larry. Yeah, she's attracted to Larry. I also like the conversation. Are you a plotter? Yes. I've plotted. Yes, she's plotted. And Larry uh, wants to make sure that she's on his side because she can uh, help him out, get in contact with the consulate of Iran. And so the next scene we see is uh, they are in bed. And uh, this is, you know, uh, we're getting into a very uh, rough sex scene where mm-hmm. she wants. And it's la- really a, it's 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 an exact replica of the first time they did it two years ago. Also, yes, I don't remember this. So it, what, she wanted him to talk dirty in that scene also. Well, it was more like, yeah, it was it, it was a lot of insulting him. 
in the bedroom, like insulting Jews and things like that. Right. And so she says, uh, we, I want you to talk dirty. And he just is yelling out the names of different Republican politicians. Yeah. Yeah. I laughed. A little, like the Jared Kushner one really broke me. That was funny. <laughs> uh, Steve Bannon got me. Yeah. Mitch McConnell. <laughs> That's that got her. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, she's uh, causing such a ruckus that Leon's SWAT team comes through and ends up removing her from the situation. Yeah, so we haven't we we hear a couple scenes ago that he's going to get security. This is the first time we see the guy SWAT running in and taking and taking her off. SWAT is the guy's name. That's the guy's name. SWAT. Yeah. Okay. there you go. And so uh, he ends up pulling her out. I like also Leon says like. Like, basically, we got to talk later about the fact you were wearing glasses during this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was dangerous. <laughs> uh, and they're not able to clear up the misunderstanding. You would think that they would be able to, like, no, 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 They'll leave her, leave her. I mean, I think they were eventually because he he, he got the name for the consul because the next thing we see is him talking about the consul and dropping Shara's name, right? Mm-hmm. So you'd have to think that they're on okay terms still. Yeah. All right, so Larry is able to finally get in contact with somebody over at the Iranian consulate, and they want him to come down, and he doesn't want to go over there. And so they're going to set up a Skype call. But meanwhile, Leon and SWAT are trying to get his attention. Yeah, you know, to me, this is the worst sort of scene in the episode. I really like the towel issue that they're having in the background. It's just annoying. It doesn't pay off anywhere. I guess they wanted to have SWAT in another scene besides the ones where he's just running in. And busting up sex scenes, but you know, to like we we don't we, like. I have no reason to want more SWAT after this episode. Yeah, well, SWAT has a lot of conditions, a lot of riders in his contract that uh, he does not like. Hard towels is that a big non-starter for you, Keeve? Hard towels? I've never even thought about it in my whole life. <laughs> well, you know, I like you know the fabric softener. You don't want a towel that's going to be too hard. Like uh, if you could like fold the towel in half and think it might like snap. Uh, that's would you like a good. velvet towel? I don't think I would like a velvet towel. Velvet is not the ideal. I, I think that you might want a, a towel that's a little more velvety, but you certainly would not want to dry off with velvet. Right. Yeah. No, I don't have a lot of towel preferences, to be honest. Yeah. And so we ended up with also getting a shopping list for SWAT. Uh, SWAT wants persimmons. Do you know what a persimmon is? Yeah. I mean, I've heard of them. Yeah. Have you ever had one? By accident, I'm sure my wife has, like, you know, tricked me into eating one once. Yeah. Now, what is it that SWAT cannot have? A stone fruit? Stone fruit. What is a stone fruit? Oh, I got no idea. Is that a type of fruit? I think it's like a family of fruit. A family of fruit. It's, uh, no, it's, it's, uh, it says a droop or stone fruit is an indehiscent fruit in which an outer fleshy part surrounds a single shell. Hmm. Okay. Well... Yeah, you got me on that one. Yeah, I'd never heard of it either. Okay, so I don't know a stone fruit. But anyway, that this man is going to be taking care of Larry. Leon advises that he uh, gets SWAT what he wants. Okay, so examples of stone fruit are apricots, olives, peaches, plums, cherries, mangoes, and Indian gooseberries. All right, so we've had stone fruits before. Yeah, who knew? I mean, I'm not a plum guy. The oils. The oils get the SWAT. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... 
we see Larry then going down to the hotel. To He needs to get the pants that he left behind. He had a good pair of flannel pants. Uh, he ends up just telling the hotel manager that the reason why is because of the fabric that he goes into graphic detail of why he needs those specific pants back. Um. Yeah. The, yeah. I, I liked his explanation and I liked how uncomfortable Jim Rash was hearing it. <laughs> yeah. Did you find it odd that Larry went in right into explaining this to somebody that he's been having this conflict with? Not really, because this, that's Larry's M.O. He just says literally whatever he's thinking. Mm-hmm. And so Larry sees another person working in the hotel on the cookies, and he really wants to get to the bottom of that. Is it her idea? It seems like I couldn't really decipher what was Larry's main concern. Was it A, that Jim Rash said that he was the person in charge of the cookies? Was it B, that they were Pepperidge Farm cookies? Was it C, that the idea that it was mandatory hotel policy to use the tongs? Was I think it- the tongs ultimately were, were the big thing. Who's in charge and who made them are secondary issues that he does care about. But to to me, the tongs is what really stuck out to Larry. All right. And so I liked how the woman who was uh, working on the cookies knew immediately who Larry was. Oh, you must be Mr. Dancer. Right. It's not like this type of thing where uh, they've had 30 people come in recently and, you know, accuse them of having pepperidge farm cookies Mm -hmm, right and then ultimately jim rash comes back and brings the pants i thought that we were going to see jim rash not give larry the pants back i thought he was going to lose the pants in this transaction but he ends up getting the pants um right right it's weird that he got the pants but i guess it wouldn't have gone anywhere if he didn't yeah they do they do give him the pants for some reason Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's right and so we end up seeing the uh, other woman who works at the hotel she ends up dropping the tongs on the floor and then picks them up and puts them back onto the table larry is very upset about this key does this bother you i'm not a germy so it wouldn't bother me i loved when larry said that was like if you put the floor on the table (laughs) Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. I mean, you know, you could that's like certain lines in the show are are like funny, but would never have been scripted, which is like why you, you know, appreciate the, the fact that a lot of the show is improvised. Mm-hmm. So well, I feel like the floor on the table line was no way in any sort of script. Yeah. Larry loses it. He ultimately gets banned from the hotel, which is going to set up a plot point for later on in the episode. Larry goes to visit Funkhauser. We find out things are not going well over at the Funkhauser residence. Now, again, this is Funkhauser's nephew. I'm not sure why Funkhauser lives with him, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we won't think too much about that. Yeah, it's the pride and joy of the Funkhauser family. Yes, uh, Prince Funkhauser. And so... Uh, He's filled with angst and rage now, and we find out the reason is because that he has lost the use of his right hand. Yeah, he can't go lefty. It's a big problem. And we see him attack the maid. I really didn't like that scene. It was too cartoony. Yeah. And he's, you know, you call that dinner and it was like two seconds and it's like an off screen thing. I didn't like that part. Right. Right. Keeve. Now, I'm trying to be very delicate about this in terms of Mm. what I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Is this a thing? Is this yeah, a no, actual... nobody can go lefty. <laughs> nobody, nobody can? I mean, I don't think it's ever happened in, in like, humankind. I mean, like, there's people who could literally bat right or lefty in baseball. Yeah. Right, so those people are exempt. But, like, someone who doesn't have, like, a strong left hand? Right. They couldn't? I don't know how it would be possible. 
They could. This would be impossible. Be, I mean, it's like you'd have to be a superhuman. A superhuman. <laughs> I don't know. Like, if, well, listen. Different people have different levels of strength in their non-dominant hand, right? Right. Right. But if you have like, if you're a hundred on one side and a zero on the other, I don't right. know how you'd even consider pulling this off. So if if I if I had like one hand, like my right hand handcuffed to the radiator, Keeve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the rest of your life. Right. <laughs> I think I could get it done. I don't think you can. I think I could. I think I could. All right. I'll I'll leave it at that. I'm confident. Okay. I'm confident. Listen, I, I know yeah. I don't have this level of confidence in many things, Keith. You don't. I LD and uh and Funkhauser were on my team. <laughs> okay. Who knows? Maybe maybe I, I could uh come out of the bullpen on uh back to back days. I, well, you are you a left a lefty one out only guy? <laughs> maybe one out. <laughs> All right. Uh, it depends how often I've been used, I guess. So that's really what it'll yeah. come down to. You, know? you don't want to become Pedro Feliciano. Right. Just fall off. Right. You know, yeah, right. Uh, three appearances out of the pen from the right side of the plate. I, I, I think that that fourth time out of the pen from the left side is going to be rough. But, you know, yeah, if, and you'll be used goods by the time the Yankees sign you. Right. If I mean, but, you know, if, if I haven't, you know, seen the mound in a week. Sure. Yeah. yeah bring me out. Um that being said, you know, the Terry Collins would have no idea what to do with me. Uh, no. Well, you could say that about a lot of things. Terry <laughs> Collins wouldn't have any idea what to do. Okay. Uh, he's lost his will, poor Kenny Funkhauser. Yeah, which makes LD think of Paul the prostitute. Yes. Okay. So then, I mean, Larry is very heavily invested here with, I, I guess he must just feel really guilty about. Feels bad. The, he broke a young kid's elbow. Like, I get his it. His spirit. Yeah, his elbow and his spirit. Yeah. Okay. So they come up with this idea called the pickle gambit. Do you like how much Larry and Leon are talking this through in terms of what they're going to do? Yeah, I like Larry has a name for this for this scheme already. Yeah, comes with the name. So Leon wants a name. First, Larry says, uh, "Your chick gangle, uh, one of the disgraced 1919 White Sox players." Yeah. Leon's not a fan of that. Not a fan of that. Well, when he would be like, uh, you know, 115 years old. And also nobody calls him the White Sox, right? Either the Black Sox. <laughs> right, right. He ends up uh, going with, he likes the name uh, Tappy Johnson. Chappy Johnson. Chappy, really- Chappy Johnson. Yeah. Chappy Johnson. Great name. Okay. Uh, he was a player from the Negro League. So that mm-hmm. uh, Leon, Leon liked that part. Uh, again, I don't know necessarily. What, when did the Negro League stop? Um, I think the early 40s. In the 40s? No. I mean, what, what did Jackie Robinson play in? Right. No, well, early 50s. I mean, sorry. Early, early 50s. 50s. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not a uh, Negro League baseball historian by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Well, Jackie Robinson starts in 47. I assume because there's only one guy at first, I'd assume the Negro Leagues go for at least a few more years. But Jackie no, Robinson but comes la- up and then they just they shut it down? They don't shut it down, but I assume a few years later. Because baseball it, it, it wasn't was, fully integrated for a while. Of course not. No, yeah. no. But I, I do think like once the better players are gone, I'd assume that the Negro Leagues die out. Yeah. Uh, the last major season, yeah, 51. 51. Okay, so you, were, you weren't far off. Okay. All right. So they send Leon in with the pickle jar. Everybody wants to be the pickle hero. Uh, were you surprised that Jim Rash was jumping into the pickle melee? Yeah, I, I just think their idea is that anybody who sees the pickle um, – 
anybody who sees the, uh, you know, the pickle jar not being able to open is going to automatically think I'm the man for that job. Mm hmm. Yeah. So everybody's getting in there. And so Larry ends up meeting up with Paula again and sees her at the bar and she looks very nice. He's uh, so happy for her career. He ends up saying that this is a hooker mitzvah. Yeah, I don't think that's going to catch on. (laughs) Hashtag hooker mitzvah. Okay, so he came here looking for her. And, you know, that uh, I guess that I don't know what she thought that he might have had in mind, but he wants to tell her about how, yes, that I wanted to let you know that um, I have an assignment for you. Yeah. And she was willing to throw in a freebie, but he, he wasn't interested. Right. Now, we never quite get into uh, Kenny Funkhauser's age. That That's never established in this episode, right? Right. Well, he's taken the SATs. He's, they, they say he's basically got a free ride if he gets a good score, so you'd have to sort of hope that he's 18. You hope might that be he's 18. I mean, the episode sort of dances around uh, yeah. that statutory line. Right. I, I mean, he could. the only thing is that he hasn't taken the SATs yet. You usually wouldn't take the SATs again when you're 18, but it's certainly possible. It's certainly possible. Maybe he lost his fantasy took him, he was football league. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ted Danson and Cheryl are at the hotel as well. Uh, yeah, so he right. He starts tra- chasing after Ted Danson and Cheryl, who don't see him or Cheryl sees him, but Ted doesn't. Well, they see him, but he's in his disguise. They don't know it's him. Oh, right. Well, right. Obviously, Cheryl hasn't seen the disguise, but when Ted came to the house, he wasn't in the disguise. No, no he, he wasn't not. wearing the disguise at his house. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah so they don't recognize. So they him. don't recognize him. So I thought it was interesting that they're at the hotel bar and Ted Danson asks Cheryl if she wants to get a drink, and she says, "No, let's check out the mini bar in the room." Yeah. So, uh, you know, I get that you know, we, we get the feeling here that Ted came to ask permission. This relationship had already been consummated before Ted even asked LD for his blessing. Right. It's probably getting serious. And now he's like, oh, Larry's going to find that someone's going to be like, hey, I saw Sherilyn and Ted Danson at a hotel or at, out to dinner. Right. So let me let me cut this off first. And even though Ted Danson's asking her for a drink, uh, it seems like uh, thirsty Cheryl is in the cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe willing to cross the Larry David line into the Ted yeah, Danson line. Yeah, some of those line. lines that, uh, yeah. Yes, they're falling by the wayside. <laughs> so, uh, Larry now, that I thought that this was the one thing that did not make sense. Larry is unable to resist the siren song of the pickle jar, Keith. Right, I, right. It doesn't make any sense, but the, the same way that the guy on the phone can't, Jim Rash can't, n- neither can Larry. Yes. So even though Larry, this was his own honey pot that he brought in, his own pickle pot that he brought into the mix, he too yeah. is unable to resist the lure of the pickle jar waiting to be opened. That's right. Brined by his own pickle. <laughs> right. So we end up seeing that Larry says, uh, unhand me, I have dementia. I thought, <laughs> yeah, I guess because he look, looks even older with the with the costume. I think he looks younger. With the costume. What's weird is like because he now he's gets kicked out. The prostitute is waiting for him by the bar. How does he ever find the prostitute again? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he had her number. Well, I guess he could have just sent Leon right back in. Yeah. Okay. It's explained where she was. Right. All right. So, um. We see Larry driving around, and uh, we see Mary Steenburgen with the Larry lookalike, uh, which was well done. I mean, they just, you know, again, the guy didn't have to do any acting, right? You don't even speak, but they must have canvassed Hollywood for the person who looks the most like LD, because that guy looked a lot like him. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. 
And then we end up with uh, Larry at the Funkhauser house. Again, this is like a little bit of a seedy scene of Funkhauser. You know, uh, he, he ends up saying like this is difficult to listen to. But uh, that uh, Paula, the prostitute, ends up going off with Kenny Funkhauser. Yeah, it's weird that this is all happening within like eight feet of each other. Yeah. Also, Funkhauser ends up telling Larry that he ended up going out uh, for a cup of coffee, two movies and a walk in the park with Cheryl. Yeah. Are we so we didn't you know, the, the things that are on the ban list for for Larry from Cheryl. We don't know if Ted Danson got the green light, although we assume he did. But is it possible we're going to find out that Funkhauser got the green light? Yeah. This is crazy because uh, to me, this is like Cheryl has an axe to grind with Larry that she's dating yeah. all his friends. Like it's one thing right. to Ted date Danson Ted Danson. Is freaking Ted Danson. Yeah. Right. Right. Such a good looking guy. I mean, Funkhauser, I don't even like he's not even Super Dave Osborne in the show. Right. I, I, right. well, like, he's not in Hollywood. What is he know, bringing right? to the table? Nothing. Like literally Kenny. He's bringing his nephew to the table. Yeah. So, uh, OK, sure. What a spiteful. You know what? Yeah, I mean, it really feels like that she was trying to uh, get him upset at this point. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Okay. So we end up seeing that Larry Skypes with the Iranian consul. Yeah. Again, the the second he Skypes, they're on. He's talking with the consul. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that the consul has to make an admission off the record that he's a big Seinfeld fan and he starts (laughs) listing his favorite episodes. Yeah. And so we have a couple of points where it looks like maybe the conversation is going to go awry. I don't know if this is sort of like the fake out to make you think like, oh, this is how it's going to end badly. But Mm -hmm. we have one, the uh, Iranian consul is using a tongue for cookies. Uh, Larry says that that is not the way to go. Nope. Right. He sort of offends him, but he he brushes it off. Right. The Iranian consul claims that the tongs were invented in Iran. Yeah. Larry doesn't think that Iran is a tong type of place. Yes, he didn't think so. Uh, Then we end up with the point where the consul is talking about his favorite Seinfeld episodes. Uh, The puffy shirt was his number one episode. Keeve, you once famously made a list of all the different favorite episodes people have. Did a lot of people have the puffy shirt as their favorite episode? I think it's in a lot of people's top tens, but I, it's just a line. I think it's been mentioned before. I think someone else on on Curb has said that the puppy shirt was their favorite. OK. Um, uh, and then he loves the close talker. Now, mm-hmm. uh, the raincoats. Yes, the raincoats, the two part episode where Jerry is uh, making out with his girlfriend during Schindler's List. Uh, the Iranian consul did not mention if that was a part he enjoyed. No. <laughs> <laughs> But we find out that the Ayatollah is actually a bit of a close talker. And then Larry, for some reason, says he looks like he has bad breath, the Ayatollah. Again, if he's trying to apologize for this fatwa thing, again, a crazy thing for Larry to say. Crazy thing to say. I had the puppy shirt, by the way, at number 27. Okay. All right. Uh, And what about the raincoats? Uh, I closed the window. Okay. And then... (laughs) So ultimately, we start to hear another ruckus coming out of the bedroom you, that you just felt like the, the way that the Skype screen was framed with the yeah, stairs in the background. Happening. You knew so you knew yeah, it was at some telegraphed. Point, it was telegraphed. It, it really was where I, you know, you don't know if like uh, we're going to see the prostitute run down the stairs in her underwear, which ultimately ended up di- happening. But. Uh, you know, I, I did not see the security guard coming 
back into the room at that point. But uh, that is what happened where we had SWAT come in, rescue young Kenny Funkhauser from the prostitute. uh, And then Leon ends up saying, no, that's not what we wanted you to do. Just get rid of the Muslims to which uh, the Iranian consulate wants to hang up the call. That's it. Um. Yeah, I, it was too telegraphed to me. It was too too wacky. This whole final scene, too slapsticky, and and like nothing shocking happened here. Yeah. Overall, you know, I didn't mind it. I mean, even last week's episode, Larry getting punched in the face, you know, you sort of have to end these episodes on like a big note. To me, Mm -hmm. I almost don't feel like that Curb Enthusiasm, uh, that maybe this sounds hypocritical coming from me, but I I don't hold it as against this show for all of the storylines to get tied up into one. I, I don't hold it against. I just think they probably could have have like done something a little bit more, you know unique but and it's, it's just the way it was directed and filmed i actually think this whole episode felt rushed mm. yeah to me that i feel like the difference between curb enthusiasm and seinfeld is that i feel like i can enjoy the ride a little bit more with the with curb enthusiasm mm-hmm. i just, agree just the, to me just you know just seeing like uh the, all the different like conversations and awkward situations that Larry finds himself in. I guess, and maybe that speaks to the nature of how improvised the whole show ends up being that I don't hold it to this. Like, cause Seinfeld is sort of like makes its bones on its plotting of like, okay, there's 47 scenes in this episode and everything's going to come together like clockwork. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that when it happens on curb, great, but that I'm not necessarily, you know, here for the plotting. Um, yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. You know, with some of that stuff is, is, is secondary. I agree. But to me, the whole episode, the tone was the tiniest bit off to me. Yeah. Do you think that this episode was too ambitious? Did we have too much going on yeah. between? I think a little bit too much going on. Yeah. I think we could have cut out a lot of the, um, a lot of the stuff with SWAT. With SWAT. Is that? Yeah. Certainly the towel stuff, but really almost all the SWAT stuff. I feel like we could have, uh got rid of I, I think the palestinian chicken thing maybe was forced also mm-hmm. right so you feel like that maybe if it was the serialization that hurt this episode where it yeah. sounds like that everything with the fatwa is what were your problems with the episode because if you had to pick you would if this was a regular episode of curb enthusiasm where larry is staying in a hotel with the mm-hmm. cookies and the tongs you're okay with the yeah that's a very typical pickle. episode yeah but, but right, like we said, there's too many things. Like every episode has a thing. Like what's th- this episode? Like the, it's called the pickle gamba, but that wouldn't be like one of the ten things you'd remember from the episode, right? Right. It would be the tongs you'd remember. You'd remember, you know, you'd remember like the Palestinian chicken lady coming back. You'd remember like you know uh, the the idea of like Martin, Kenny Funkhauser and not being able to go lefty and the prostitute. There's just so much here on the table. Yeah. Okay. So what is, do you have a, a different pitch for how this should have worked out? Well, I just want to cut. I just want to, I don't, I don't know how much, like, I think there's funny stuff in there and I left. I just want, I want to cut, you know, some of the SWAT stuff and I want to cut a few, a few scenes and cut this to under 30 minutes. Okay. All right. Well, it was fun. Uh, why do you want to do You want to, uh, what, did we rate the storylines last week? Yeah, we do, no, we don't rate the storylines. We just rate the episode from one to 10. Okay. Uh, Keeve, I know you were going to get into fractional scoring. Yeah. But for me, I, I will say that this was a six for me, the pickle gambit. Six out of ten. Six out of ten. Last week was more of an eight, I think, and this is 
This is a six. That's fair. I have it. To me, a six is almost too low. A six is failing to me. Yeah. Right? Wow. So See, I have this as a – yeah. Okay. Because it's 60. You're like passing is 65, right? You're in su- – this episode is going to summer school. That's what you're saying. Mm, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that an average episode is a five. Again, well, I think yeah. we're, we're grading – An average a- episode is not really a five. Like a movie that's a five out of ten – that means like don't watch this movie. But, it's okay, like uh, but I'm grading it against episodes of you know ten is the best. Oh, we know episode you're a hard grader. Trust me, I know zero is the worst episode, and so mm-hmm. that this was I think a above average episode, okay. slightly above average. Okay, I'm gonna give it a six point five eight. Six point five eight. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think five years from now, if anything, is the moment or the thing from this episode we'll remember? I don't think there's that much. I think I don't think I think they tried to have Kenny Funkhauser be the super memorable. And we had a kid in the final episode of season eight with in, in you know, the Michael Michael J. Fox episode. Absolutely knock it, you know, knocked out of the park. Super memorable. And I think they tried to maybe like, oh, this kid's going to be super funny, but he just didn't have anything. He was a little too old to sort of have that thing. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know. Like, we're going to remember it as the episode where, like, the Palestinian chicken lady came back and the tongs. But I don't think there's anything that anyone's going to be quoting five years from now in this episode. Right. I think the one thing that you have that people are going to think of is the tongs. And I feel like you needed, uh, like, a, a word or, like, a hashtag there in the tong cookie scenario and what yet like something improvised where you know it's like you're having the floor on the table nobody's going to remember that line if you could have come up with some sort of a word for the cookie tong yeah right right we could have done some more work there i hear you i feel like every time somebody had a tong near a plate of cookies that you could have had something people were saying yes that was I, the missed opportunity board. here. Yes, I'm on board. Okay. All right, Keeve, we're also taking mm. emails every week. Curb at postshowrecaps.com. Again, it's a short turnaround for these emails because we're recording this the, as opposed to the last podcast we did where we recorded the episodes uh, 22 years after they aired. Yeah, you had, you had decades to get your email questions. Now in you have for- not even 22 hours. No. Okay. What does Josh Bass have to say? All right. Josh Bass says Larry's absolutely right that any person over the age of seven should be able to take the cookie without using tongs and not touching another cookie. It's much different from taking a straw or a a coffee stir from a cup at Starbucks where there's no margin for error. And it's extremely likely that you'll touch another stir unless you have surgeon level dexterity. I have nothing. Not surgeon level dexterity, by the way. Yeah. But to me, the Mm -hmm. coffee stirrer, I mean, I've never even heard that that was a thing. We have to be careful about taking the coffee stirrer. Because you're it just means that they're all touching like the little straw things are so close. It's like it's like that kid's game where you can't touch the I forget what it's called. Operation. The pickup. No, like the pickup sticks type of game. Kerplunk. Where not kerplunk pickups, literally pickup sticks where like they're on the floor and like you have to take the piece. But there might be another one under it. And if it moves a little bit, Mm -hmm. then it's out. So he's thinking more like that, that like. That the point is that they all touch each other. But you're but the holding the stirs. coffee stirrer, you know, yeah. above the line where it's going to go into the coffee. Yeah, he says, I'm sure this will be addressed on the pod, but am I wrong in o- being overly critical of the hotel workers? Would either of you have been bothered with the tongs? I wouldn't have bothered them. I never would have used them. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, and then... We got a late-breaking uh, tweet. Yes. Uh, from, Eric, from Eric Raskin. 
He says, are you guys surprised as, or as surprised as he is that Leon, a character who you'd think is generally used sparingly, is being used a lot and he's not burning out yet? Hmm. No, I don't think that. I mean, he, he is a guy who he is the Andrew Miller of Kirby Enthusiasm. Right. Some right. Sometimes he's going to be uh, the closer, but sometimes he might be around for multiple innings. <laughs> yeah. This is obviously the most we've had Leon. Yeah, no. Like, and it's, if it's, I had to guess, I'm going to say Leon's going to be in nine or ten of the ten episodes this season. Yes. If Whereas, anything, like, Susie's already missed one. Yeah. Garland, maybe his contract would be in all ten. That's why they use them for a scene. But well, like, you know. Also, I, I don't know what the shooting schedule is, but Jeff Garland is a series regular in the Goldbergs, and yeah, so that's a big deal. You're, that's you know, a good point. He's the star of that show, think, right? Right. He's the well. He he's the dad. He doesn't isn't like a like you know. He's probably like. But the point know. is, it's a very full time gig. So you're right. He might. He, we might see less Garland this season than than uh, in previous seasons. Yes, and so I don't know if Jeff is also you know uh, super involved behind the scenes, but you know in terms of where that uh, you know and Leon is so great. Uh, so JB Smoove is amazing in every scene. Has he had a bad scene yet this whole season? No, he's great. JB Smooth is not was not the problem. I mean, the towel scene, but I don't blame JB Smooth. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. And then uh, Chester writes in to say, uh, "Keeve, would you date Doctor Jen behind my back or ask permission like a gentleman?" Well, Larry actually sees it the other way around. Yeah. Right. Right. Larry wants. Uh, Larry wants. Um, Right. Anybody who's dating Cheryl to never tell him about it. Uh, you know, I, I think any chances I had of dating Dr. Jen probably went down the drain this week when she when she like when really she met started. you. No, she had met me before, but I feel like we spent more time together. I think uh, she was very upset. She was like she felt very bad for my wife after after she left. That's the report I got from Chester. <laughs> that, what, what was that report? One more time. Well, she said, like, first of all, like, wow, nobody should get married when they're 20, which I, I mean, I don't know exactly what that means, but it can't be good. Right. Right. Well, I mean, what does that even mean? Well, I think she was also taken aback that like my daughter is like her size. Okay. Yeah. That I have a kid who's like, no, you're, you're smart. You're smart because that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, uh, that I have young kids that Mm -hmm. I'm going to be dealing with, you know, kids stuff, but you also have young kids. So you were, you were smart, but, but you you just kept, you kept (laughs) pushing dumb. Right. Right. (laughs) I have two sons who are almost exactly your son's ages. I just have like a whole nother family. (laughs) Right. Right. So like, it's like, if you have your kids when you're very young, you can be, you know, 40 and then uh, your kids are almost out of the house and you can like still have a life right well, you've had I the had worst very, of both worlds well there's like the young dad old dad thing where i had very young parents you've gotten My to parents, be both well i'm well i'm I, I would have to have another kid like to be an old dad i'm still not an old dad yeah right i had i had i had my last my fourth kid when i was 33 mm-hmm. okay that's not really old 33 no. is not old dad territory no. i didn't even get started so, yeah Right. Yeah. So I'm saying I'm not really an old. I'm, I'm a super when. Oh, listen, we go to I, I'm not going to pretend like I, I go to all the parent teachers like you go to any event in my kid's school. Right. And I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest dad in the room by five years for my oldest daughter. Mm-hmm. No question. Sure. But I also I grew up. My dad was the youngest parent. My mom was the youngest parent in my grade in high school. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was I always had young parents and my sister. My sister was in high school now. Eighteen decades later has very old parents. <laughs> yeah. OK. So in terms of then uh, dating uh, Mrs. Chester, that's probably Dr. a no. Dr. Chester. Dr. Chester. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think neither behind uh, Chester's back or uh, – first of all, I, the thing is like – the thing that someone like Mara or, or Jen doesn't realize is like 
they have the stink of us. Like nobody's even going to want our seconds, you know, <laughs> like they're why is they're that? like their their pool like nobody's like oh well you know obviously there's something wrong with her or she wouldn't have like they're damaged goods Chester. now is what you're saying very damaged goods very like, damaged like, goods destroyed yeah you're right and Chester also says the anti tuck thing is why he wants to know why Larry's redoing the yeah. old bits from Curb I think I I think that that's just like an oversight that they forgot yeah also I, I just want to add uh, in terms of that I, I was not asked this question but uh, if my marriage ever uh, does not work out I that I I am not dating anymore I'm going to then just be uh, that that's it oh I'm I'm a, I've said that before on on the Seinfeld yeah. podcast yeah I'm over I'm uh, o- I'm out on relationships. On, on women. I'm out on women altogether, for sure. <laughs> Look, I'm coming no out question. of the bullpen strictly at that point, okay? All right. Oh, I'm not even in the bullpen. Yeah. All right, I'm, I'm just, I'm just tired. You're just too tired. <laughs> All right, Keeve. Uh, well, what's the hashtag today? Oh, you had a good one earlier, but I, I, totally, uh, I totally blanked on it. Prostitute it uniform? Related. No, come on. <laughs> It was, you had a good one that was baseball related. Yeah. How about lefty one out only guy? <laughs> Loogie. <laughs> Loogie. L-O-O-G-Y. <laughs> the Pedro Feliciano of my own domain. Yeah. Uh, the old Mike Stan, not the Mike Stan who hits the home runs. The, uh, or, it's he, I always forget if he's Mike or Giancarlo now. Yeah. I knew him when he was Mike. I think now he's Giancarlo. I think he's again. Giancarlo. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Keeve, uh, great stuff. Uh, next week, uh, did, were you able to follow anything from the preview? No, I didn't. I don't watch the previews. Okay. Oh, why? You don't want to be spoiled? Yeah, I don't want to be spoiled at all. <laughs> I, I, I do think Alan Sepmol, uh, I said, you know, said that the fifth episode's a standalone. I do think we're going to get a lot of the Fatwa, the Fatwa storyline. Yeah. No, it did seem like that that was the case. Uh, looks like that uh, Jeff and Susie are going to be back next week. So we will uh, okay, see about good. that. Uh, for the fans of the Survivor podcast, that Keeve was my guest on the episode two voicemails. Over two hours of podcast with Akiva are waiting for you on Rob Has a Podcast. We did a Survivor hot takeoff. Uh, we've gotten a lot of people debating with us what a hot take is. Yeah, people are really litigating that we, you know, we don't even know what a hot take is. We might get fired. The next hot takeoff might be like a whole new cast of characters. Yeah, we might get recast or suspended from the next hot take. So be on the lookout for that. And then, of course, Akiva and Alexander Chester and uh, a third guy also uh, hosted the 32 Fans podcast, recapping all the NFL action from this weekend. Yeah, rare in-person 32 Fans podcast. That's correct. Yeah. I think I liked you guys better uh, in separate places. Well, the, I, the thing we had a guest. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, we, we were in his house. We couldn't like not invite him on the podcast. But also it, it was four in the morning. The issue wasn't that we were in person. I think we could do good in-person podcast. The issue was it was literally 4 a.m. Chester had just taken a nap for an hour and a half and we woke him up to do the podcast. Yeah. I feel like you're more likely to fight over Skype, though. You're right. Much I think like it was Larry like positive feelings in the air. Right. It's true. We were being nice to each other. It, in it's person. much it's harder to be horrible to a person to their face. Are you saying I'm horrible to Chester? <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes you guys are very hard on each other. It's one of the things I like about the podcast. Yeah. No. Uh, right. No, it's a fair point. I think the best we thing nice going that you guys yeah. are uh, like uh, really uh, go, go at each other's throat sometimes. Right. I'm not going to like. Yeah, we're not going to like make fun of. Uh, and we didn't draft families. I also thought that would be there was like kids around. I thought it would be inappropriate because we were I, my idea was we we're going to now that we had met each other's entire families, if we redrafted families and then we could have had a wife swap in front of the face, not behind the back. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. Well, of course, you can follow Kiva on Twitter. He's at Keith26. I'm at Rob Sesternino. And follow and subscribe to our Curb Your Enthusiasm post-show recap at postshowrecaps.com slash curb. Take care, everybody. Thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre for editing these Curb Your Enthusiasm episodes. And we'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Bye.